Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried War Gaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And on this episode, uh, we're going to talk about a topic that we have sort of danced around before, but has been back in our minds recently, um, after breaking out of the mold of our usual games that we go to. And that's the idea of winning. And sort of how the community views it and how we think with a tweak of perspective you might be able to increase the amount of fun you get in games potentially i don't know we're just two perspectives but i think it's worth talking about um because the idea of whether you won or lost is uh not only deterministic but per sort of pervasive uh, in the community as a whole. And I think that's kind of not only a cultural thing, but it is endemic to the hobby. And yeah. sometimes it can kind of hurt your hobby if you're too focused on it, you think? Yeah, and it's not necessarily a bad thing to have winning winners or losers. Uh, it's just, it kind of has a place. And sometimes we put that in its place too many times. Yeah, so it might be, we figured we'd just take a little time to break it down. But first, a topic with no winners or losers, hobby time, and games played. All right, John, what you been up to? Oh, I'll have you know, I did win hobby. I'm, I'm beating Joseph for the first time in a long time. I painted two squads up. Yeah, but it, uh, I've painted and based two squads. You've just painted two squads, Joseph. <laughs> and three Asaga Vice and Fire squad. That doesn't count. Different game. <laughs> what? <laughs> Definitely counts. <laughs> I'll have you know I painted Greyjoys too. How many? Oh. <laughs> like four models. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I freaking knew it. Uh, you step to me in my it... house of hobby? No, sir, John. Nay, nay, I'll double have nay. You no, know, I have been working hard on berserkers. So I have I have fully painted, based, ready for the table, finished product, two squads of berserkers. Uh, I've converted up my own captain that I'm using like an old Karn model for. I have a Contemptor Dreadnought. Um, because if y'all were wondering, World Leaders comes out soon, and I'm getting started now. We're going to be playing <laughs> like locally with each other. Uh, small games starting out and kind of building up, playing mm -hmm. a bunch. And I've really been trying to push hard into what my style is with my Berserkers. Like when I sit down, what is my most natural comes to me style of painting miniatures and it turns out it's um grimy dark and looks like a john blanche painting so well your name is john and you're also grimy yeah. so like that that checks yeah. out yeah it just it's ticking all the boxes and uh it's been fun i really enjoy it there's been a lot of enamels been a lot of like tastefully done blood effects how have you enjoyed enamels of... by the way 
I really enjoy enamels. I I want to work with them more. Um, it just adds a depth that I don't feel like you get with normal acrylic washes. Yeah, I don't exactly know how to describe it, but it leaves a sort of like deeper dusty appearance in addition to the sort of the stuff it leaves in recesses. And it, if and if you want something to look weathered and beat up, I think it just does that job better. Yeah, but if you don't want it to look that way, don't use it. And I think that the weathered beat up effect only gets amplified when you like cuz I've been doing the enamels, letting it dry, taking the some of it off. Mm-hmm. And then going back in and adding more details. So like that's where I'll add some blood effects or like eye lenses or like glowing bits or maybe some extra highlights on metal to make it shine a little bit more. Um, for some of the berserkers, I've added like actual jewelry chain at that point where it's, it's fresher chain. Mm-hmm. And then some of it I purposefully put on beforehand that then gets enameled. Right. Like, and it's a mixture of textures and colors and everything else. And I find that, adds even more to the effect, which is very useful. And uh, it's been great. I'm excited to do more. This week, I am planning on painting 10 cultists for the first 500 points, plus the two characters. But I'm going to try to take my time with the characters. Yeah, I mean, they're supposed to be special, special lads, so you got to give them their time in the spotlight on the paint table. Yeah, and I'm going to be thinking about them a lot while I'm painting them, because I'm also going to write a story about who each is with a name, how they became that. Mm-hmm. I look forward to that. And it'll be good. It'll be good. And then on your side, Joseph, what are you working on? Uh, similar stuff. Uh, last time I talked about how I have been hobbying up uh, uh, quite a bit coming back from vacation, and that hobby train is still going. Uh, I painted an entire squad of Sworn Brothers, so that's a third A Song of Ice and Squire, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire minis uh, painted up, which was really nice. Got those off the table, and then uh, we started kind of kicking around this idea of starting up Crusade again. Uh, plot twist. Well, I guess spoiler alert. Y'all might hear more about this in a couple of episodes, but um, we were doing like a big group Crusade game. And uh, it fell apart due to life reasons um, from a couple of angles. And it was just unfortunate timing. And we're talking about maybe picking something up to try to uh, keep having a concerted effort over the winter to like get together and play games. And uh, to do that, obviously, you got to paint some minis. And uh, because of that, I have uh, been working on Blood Angels again. Damn it, John. Um, uh, you're welcome. Appreciate it. Although this, your boys. This isn't just John. Uh, also, Corwin, the bastard. Uh, also his fault. And uh, yeah, when I got into the hobby, Blood Angels was my first like Space Marine army I played. Because they just look so cool and the story appealed to me. And I ended up stopping playing them for probably not the right reasons. Largely because... I won with them more often than I felt comfortable with. And I get weird about that. So I jumped factions and probably shouldn't have. But uh, John, much like on last episode, has been hammering on me that I should just play Blood Angels. And uh, this is an opportunity to uh, give that a whirl by telling a a fun story in the process. So uh, I have been over here 
uh, hammering away on Blood Angels and coming up with a paint scheme. Uh, I've gotten two units of Intercessors completely done with said new paint scheme after priming them and zenithalling them. And they're also some of the first minis I built. So there were a lot of mold lines that needed to be cleaned up that were not cleaned up appropriately. Um, but they're done. Although now I'm kind of in a weird spot with them and I'm stuck because my 3D printer is still down. So I can't really keep hobbying on Blood Angels until I get 3D printer back, um, which puts me in a weird spot. So my hobby train is still rolling, but it can't keep being on Blood Angels until I have access to printer. So I'm going to step left and go back to um, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire and paint up uh, some more there until hopefully Frozen sends me parts for my printer. Uh, so that's a thing. Oh, and also I'm looking at my table. I painted up a couple of crisis suits for Tal because they were in progress when I got back from vacation and I just wanted to finish them. Knew them robots. Yeah, I think they look pretty good. Um, they look like the rest of the Tal, but they are custom 3D prints. So their scale is nicer than like GW's crisis suits. Um, Mm -hmm. and they strike a nice sort of figure on the field. So it was nice to get them painted up and done and get another win on the books. But yeah, yeah, I would have kept going on Blood Angels, but curse you, frozen quality control. Oh, well. uh, you kept talking about A Song of Ice and Fire and it reminded me that I played a game of A Song of Ice and Fire uh-huh. since the last episode. And it was against Tanner, um, the boy, the lad. Yes, uh-huh, the uh-huh. Stannis Baratheon himself. The um, Stannis Stan, yeah. Yeah, so we have this friend Tanner, right? He loves burning people to death. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He does. does. It's a problem, actually. Uh, But no, I was playing Greyjoys versus his Baratheons, and he... (laughs) I'm still learning Greyjoys. They're kind of a finesse faction. They do a lot of things well. They do a lot of things not well. And uh, I did kill Stannis. Stannis is dead. Murdered him in his own unit. Uh, Take but that. I only, but I only destroyed one Baratheon unit the entire game and lost on objectives pretty hard. So I lost the whole game pretty hard. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Did you have a good time yeah. though? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, I, I learned a lot from the game uh, and I had ideas from an X list, which is, you know, exactly what I want from a game when I go through is, uh, Hey, I tried out some new things. These things worked. These things didn't. Mm-hmm. Who who cares about winning games when you've only played like four games of the Vacron? It's true. Um, similarly, I played a game against my wife of A Song of Ice and Fire over the past week. Uh, she put her Starks down against my Night's Watch, and uh, we had a, a pretty bloody fight back and forth. Um, we sort of lined up along midfield and were fighting for objectives, but... She ended up making a mistake that I think kind of cost her the game where her archers were just a little too close to a unit of my sworn brothers, um, which are like a blender unit from Night's Watch. And then I got a big long bomb charge and managed to get into them early, which also had her commander in it. And uh, I started chopping them up and then was able to sort of mitigate the the punch back from a unit that flanked them and that 
gave me enough momentum to kind of push the game in my favor by just like pushing that flank hard and holding the middle. Um, so I ended up winning on objectives. But again, like it was a good time. And we know so little that we were both learning a whole lot each time because we're just taking different units over and over. Slowly but surely trying to like feel our way through this game. But man, it was fun. And again, it did not take us very long to, once we got set up to actually get through the match itself. Which is just delightful. So I don't mind necessarily stopping up Blood Angels because I'm still playing a song in Vice and Fire enough to make me excited to look over there at my unit of watch veterans and start painting. So I'm probably going to honestly do that tonight when we're done recording here. Uh, well, I guess after dinner because I have to go watch the finale of House of the Dragon. I still have an episode to catch up on. And then finale, probably later this week. <laughs> I have to go see finale. There are dragons. They're dancing. I need this. And it's now fall here, so I'm going to have, like, warm homemade uh, chicken and noodle soup. That? Look at you. Plus dragon fights? Mmm. What a time. Can't wait. Although in those dragon fights, this conversation's irrelevant because there will definitely be a winner. But what about in gaming? Play the music. Hi, John. So, this is kind of a big topic to take on, if we're going to be honest at the start of this. The idea of winning and losing being highly important is ingrained into us from a very, very early age. Uh, I imagine it's the same in other places in the world, but here in the States, even with just like kids peewee sports, when you're like six, um, people will lose their goddamn minds if you do not win at your tiny little baby sports ball game. Um, yes. And it's really... In many people's mindsets, you lost, well, then it was worthless. And in the worst cases, you know, the losers are worthless. And I don't think it's pervaded that deeply into our own hobby, but, like, I think it's worth mentoring the context around the idea before we bring it into game. Uh, and I think this is furthered by, like, a lot of video games where it's either win or lose. That's it. You know, if you play... Hardcore, competitive, League of Legends. You won or you lost. You made it out of silver or you're still there. There's really no room for gray in that equation. And I think right. that is highly pervasive in our psyche before we step into the tabletop gaming arena. I mean, do you feel that? Like, do you feel that inherent pull that, like, you must win? In It depends on the setting and, like, what I'm doing. I It's taken a long time for me to be able to not just look at things as win or lose. Uh, and I kind of gained the skill from other things outside of 40k. But when I first started playing 40k 100%, every time I sat down and play, I was like, I gotta win. Mm-hmm. I got I got to build the list that's like cheesy so I can win. Like I used to play Necrons way back when, and way back then it was just a bunch of buff characters and a Silver Tide, and it was not fun to play against. But I hundred percent played it because I was like, winning is the point, right? <laughs> no, 
Yeah, no, it's not. Um, yeah, I think there's something to that. I think some people really get hung up on this idea of winning or losing. Uh, some of it to the extent that, like, it invades a lot of our conversations around it. Like, watching Ospec's tactics videos to, like, figure out their changes to our war skull to see if that will maybe push it into the percentile threshold in which this unit is now playable in my efficient list. Or just talking about tournament win rates in general as, like, the gold standard of balance, which I disagree with. Um... Or, like, judging the entire viability of a game based off of its ability to be balanced yes. on, like, a national tourney circuit. Which I also disagree with in some contexts. Um, but, like, I think this reaches further than just, like, I gotta win or I didn't have fun. But there are some folks who fully feel that way. It Like, it's a thing. I get how you could arrive at that point. Um... I was just talking to one of my friends, Mo, and, uh, like, he's been slowly getting into war games over the past few years, and uh, he's been playing some more, and as you want to do, like, he wants to share it with people he thinks might like it, and uh, he has a cousin who is sort of strategically minded, and he was gonna, like, teach his cousin to play, but uh, his cousin's response was something along the lines of, oh, well, like, I'm willing to play, but you have to lose. Like, I'm going to do everything in my power to make you lose. Because if I'm not winning, I'm not having fun. And, uh... Whew! That, what a take. Like, <laughs> that's... That's rough! <laughs> like, I mean, I get it. If you're very, very competitive, you very well might have no fun if you're losing. But I, I, I think that's probably gotta have some problems as a viewpoint. Hence why we think it's worth doing some talking about. Um, well, I mean, we can deconstruct that like right now if you want. Like, right off the rip. Mm-hmm. Top level. If you have that mindset and you're like, I don't have fun when I lose ever. You're not competitive. Like, I'm just... that. I know it's a huge generality, but competitive natured and minded strategy game player Mm -hmm. is test thing does this work no try again like part of that is losing you don't know if something works until you try it like you don't know if something is good until you've practiced with it well and And, a a strong competitive loss is good data yes and like if you can't improve as a player until you lose don't take my word for it, guy who doesn't win tournaments. Like, there's plenty of 40k tournament top tier, top five, top eight, top players of the country, of the world, who say, practice playing the game, and you're going to lose then so that you win your games at the tournament. Right? Like, it's going to be a thing. There's a loss somewhere in that equation. <laughs> you cannot win you, them all. Yeah, you cannot play a game and always win. And so, from the rip, top level, you should probably reassess why you think that way. Um, And how you can make it less hurtful to lose a game. Because you will. Yes. You're going to lose a lot of them. Especially if you're new to the hobby. You're going to lose a lot, lot of them. Yes. And if you're a casual player, not competitive... 
you also want to learn how to lose the game because you're going to, and you don't want to make someone else feel bad in your casual game because you got upset because you lost the game. Like nobody likes a sore loser and nobody likes a sore winner. Mm-hmm. So always aim to be neither of those. Yeah. Um, it's true. It's entirely true. You know, if you're going to a tournament, your goal is to win, of course, but you've gotta learn how to have a good time if you're even if your game plan does not work out i think it's worth mentioning um and i think the way you get there is by having honest conversation around the concept of victory and you know is it holistic is your win-loss ratio the holistic summation of your progress in this hobby that you willingly take part in for fun or are there other aspects which influence that? And for me, the answer is the latter, no doubt, for sure, 100%. Um, and I think for most people, it probably should be because this is a hobby. There's got to be some more conversation. Um, and I think for John and I, it's a little easier to kind of see this uh, because of our background. Like, I grew up playing sports, but, like, for me, my big touchstone was stuff like Dungeons and Dragons and Werewolf the Apocalypse and Vampire the Masquerade and, like, tabletop RPGs, uh, where in it's not really focused around win-loss. Instead, it's more about collaborative storytelling together. And, like, you could make arguments for, oh, man, we lost that fight. And, like, yeah, maybe, but, like... Did we really lose the fight? Because we told a really cool story while we were doing it, and everyone kind of got to take part and throw a little bit into the pot, and we had stone soup, and it was so good. Which, I think, with that as our background touchstone, it is a little easier to see through this fog. But, even then, y'all, like, still not immune. Because some games pull you into it. Yeah. At least they like... feel like they pull you into it. Yeah, and like on my end, I'm going to use my experience when I was younger playing baseball, right? We would win win some games, we would lose some games. Either way, our coach always sat down with us and went, hey, why'd you win, why'd you lose? And then would sit down with each of the players and be like, what did you do that caused you to lose, or what can you improve? It didn't matter if you won or lost, what can you improve? Not And with the intention, not so that we keep winning games, so that you become a better player. Is after the season's over, after you've you've won and lost the games you're going to win or lose for the season, you're still going to be playing the game. So how are you going to improve? Mm-hmm. Um, and another example, like Joe, we, we used to run a LARP town. <laughs> like, there's no winning there. That's just telling a story. Like, yes. Yeah, there's no, like, yeah, sorry. Like, the vampiric barbarians are 3-0 and this season. Like, it's not a thing. Okay, but, like, that would be dope as fuck. <laughs> We're not keeping tallies of how many times they, like, blew into the death whistle and took someone's skull. Although we should have. God, we should have. We entirely should have. Should have had, a cl- like, a blood-red clicker just for that. Mm. Um, But, like, especially in casual gaming where you're just playing with your friends. There is, like, more outcomes, I think, than 
win or lose that determined fun. You know, who's your opponent? Are they a really cool person to play? Did you have a good conversation over the table? Did they give you some really valuable list advice while you were playing? Did they help remind you of some rules that you otherwise might have forgotten? Did they walk you through their entire faction so that you could learn stuff about an army that you might be confused about playing against? Did they tell you some of their valuable units and maybe give you some useful feedback on choices that you may have made and how you could have made them better? Did they say a really funny fart joke that made you giggle really hard in the third round and that just helped things? Were they Did a gracious you... loser or a gracious winner? Like, there's... A lot of ways that you could have a a good outcome that aren't necessarily tied to just I won or I lost. Um, yeah, and and like another good example, going through and being like, okay, well, I'm taking this dreadnought, and I like I don't care if I win or lose this game. I want this dreadnought to punch something really hard. That's all I want from this game, and it happens in the game. You're like, I got everything I wanted. Where we go, like. The amount of times I say that phrase, but just replace Dreadnought with something else or replace punch a thing with something else. And it happens. And I'm still feel very satisfied with the game. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a, that's a good thing to do sometimes. Now, do I still play competitive games with you every once in a while where we are trying like cutthroat, trying to go at each other? Yeah. But also sometimes he brings his like chicken nugget loving ogres and sometimes I shoot it with a ballista and I go, I shoot big arrow. And he goes, I eat you. <laughs> True story. Uh, yeah, I think like if for people who I think are open to the idea of what we're trying to say, that there are other ways to get enjoyment than just winning. I think for most of you out there, this is already hitting home and you already know what we're getting at. But I want to take a second to just reach the people who may be listening, who only are still going, I don't know what the fuck these idiots are talking about. Like, it, it's win or not win. And, like, I just want to talk to you for a second. There's probably uh, not How else am I supposed to pay for this Chinese buffet if I don't win this here Yu-Gi-Oh tournament and get that $25 gift card to that there Golden Buffet? What do I do? I, I would assume get a job, but... No, my I, at a young age, eight years old, I watched Yugi beat that one blue guy, Saiba. Sa, yeah, Saiba with with his blue eyes, white dragon. Saiba. Yeah, and he out he was out here beating that American flag bandana guy, rest his soul, and like made a job out of it. And I was like, that's gonna be me one day. That's gonna be me. Well. I'm going to win them Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments and I'm going to pay my bills that way. I now don't have to speak to the players who only want to win because they've turned away. They're gone. <laughs> you're fine. They have turned off. But if, if, if you're still here, welcome. If you're still here, observe. why? I get why. Uh, but if you are someone whose brain is just wired to think in terms of victory or defeat, like, all right, I can't change your brain chemistry. Lord knows I'm not qualified. Um, some I just learned about how to do emojis like two months ago. I'm certainly not qualified to give any psychological, neurological advice. Um, 
But <laughs> I'm you're delayed release boomer Joseph over here. <laughs> you don't understand. Like I I never used GIFs. Like just it never occurred to me. I typed it full sentences and then GIFs hit and I used GIFs. Like I never did emoji. And then we were going on this trip west and we made a going west chat and my wife had programmed it that if you put a, like a bull emoji in the chat, you would get an explosion of bulls around the emoji. So I had to do the emoji to get the explosions of bulls, but I didn't know how to get there to find the bull to do the emoji to get the explosion. And But then once I did that, I found out that if you hold the button, you can make the bulls get bigger and then send out giant bulls into the chat where I made a stampede. It was... It was very cool. It's very cool. So I learned how to emoji. And my wife... <laughs> <laughs> Don't you laugh at me, John! <laughs> oh, you can motivate Joseph to learn goddamn anything with just... Hey, uh, there's uh, an animal involved. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. If, he taught, if an owl taught me calculus, I would have done much better in that class. Definitely. Yeah, my wife makes the joke that it is both like living with a 14-year-old and a 70-year-old senior citizen at once. Uh, and I hope, I think that's a good thing, tentatively. Um, I, I could build my computer, but don't ask me to like read a text message correctly because I'm just incapable. But, <laughs> damn it, John, you, you've derailed me. That's my entire job. We know I can't like host the podcast or like start the son of a bitch, but I a hundred percent can knock it off its tracks. <laughs> but for people out there uh, who have that mindset, I would instead of just looking at the final game overarching capital W win, I uh, consider all of the other stuff we said above as small victories and break it down that way. You know, if you get an opponent who's super nice and super cool, very fun, small victory. Did you take the time to learn something new about their force or their list that you didn't know before? Small victory. Uh, did you manage to push your way onto more objectives than your opponent, even if they push you off of them later and sort of outmaneuver? That's a small victory. Uh, did you take the time to be a good sport and uh, maybe try to help them to not make a mistake that they were going to make if you're in a casual setting? Cool. That's a small victory. And in the end, even if you do lose on points, you might get to have a Pyrrhic loss because you got a bunch of small victories during the game. That, while doesn't affect your win percentage on the stat card, may increase your ability to enjoy the game that you just played. And really, that's the whole reason that I think this conversation is worth having. Because at the end of the day, this thing we're doing is a hobby. It just is. We're all doing it because it's fun. Whether that's grinding it out of the tournament scene or the most casual beer and pretzels gaming in someone's garage, you're painting little plastic toys because you think they're fun to push around on the table, or they're fun to paint. And in that instance, it only makes sense to try to get as much fun out of your game time as you can. And 
this is a way you can do it. Simply by trying to shift your perspective or your mindset a little. Because you're going to lose these games, you might as well try to make it a learning experience and to make it enjoyable. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the sort of elevator pitch behind all of our hippy-dippy nonsense is that, you know, in the end, it's better for you and your opponent. Because if you're having yeah. fun, you're probably a more fun person to play against. Yeah, and like, even with the competitive-natured stuff, you can theory craft and run it on a spreadsheet on averages all day long. But, until you sit and play with the thing, you have no idea how it runs. Like you, you can take a, a net list off the internet right now. Pull out the tier good list that does win in tournaments. Whatever. Play it. Play it against the guy who's been playing Space Marines for 10 years. And see who actually wins that game. Yeah. Probably the like, experience. Yeah. And so the only way to get the experience is to play the game. Which means you're going to lose. But every time you lose... You can see what mistakes you made. It's like going over tapes when you're playing football. Yeah. Or like the kill cam in Call of Duty. Right? You see what happened, and then you go, ah, not do that again. I see where I messed up. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep. And that in itself can be fun. Like, that in itself is where you can get the most joy, I feel like, in competitive play. It's not having the, the trophy. It's like conceptualizing a list, building it, painting it, testing it working on it, tweaking it, taking it to a tournament, proving that it works, and being like, hey, I did the thing. I made the thing, and it worked. And also, like, in doing so, finding other players who are skilled to sort of add to a roster of potential opponents to learn from in the offseason. Like, if you have these good habits, and your goal is to be very, very competitive, you will get more games against high-skill competitive players. Because you will be the sort of person they want to play against. And if you're a casual, well, then this is just good advice. Because if you're, like, a cool person, you're you're certainly going to be more likely to get invited over to game night. Like, that. that's just how that works. Yeah. It's a win-win for both crowds. Um, and I feel like it's, it's something that is hard to sort of, like, suss out in, like, a five to ten minute YouTube video. So it... We figured it'd be worth breaking apart here. And it's kind of been on our minds lately because we've been playing A Song of Ice and Fire where we don't know anything. Well, I won't say we don't know anything about the game. But, like, compared to our, like, knowledge of 40k and Age of Sigmar, we know so much less. I couldn't tell you the meta army. I couldn't tell you the meta list. I, I could not tell you all the tournament win rates. I could not tell you best units in faction like, I, I don't, I don't know any of it. So when I play, it's just being, like, playful and throwing together lists of cool stuff to try. And I found that in that mindset, I'm just having a better time playing it. Because it's not so stressful as, I either got the big win or the big L. But I'm just there having a good time, learning some stuff regardless. And if we can impart that to just a few people... It's worth doing. But um, there will be some stuff coming up soon in the next couple of episodes. Uh, we are try really trying to push to get that crusade going. So we're going to 
have some discussions about sort of that falling apart and how to get it going again. Uh, also, we're kicking around ideas on, uh, you know, creating mechanics for, well, I, not us creating mechanics, but like a discussion on how to pick mechanics that are appropriate for your group. Um, and also, I'm really trying to get into more Song of Ice and Fire games so that I can feel comfortable enough to do like a deep dive on some factions. So, uh, and Dark Tide. God, Dark Tide drops Dark end of Tide. November. It was so good. All right, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, this is podcast canceled. Job quit. Just play a Dark Tide. I'm a professional no, we Dark, Tide Dark Tide player. Yeah, we're just going to stream Dark Tide. It's great. Do, do you want to hear me derail a stream? Because that's what I'll do. Jesus. You want to see Joe uh, roleplay as an Ogren and uh, m- me roleplay as a very inappropriate guardsman and uh, Seth, our editor, roleplay as a, a very exacerbated psyker? Big damn hero me! <laughs> Actual <laughs> line from the video game. I almost shat myself giggling it was incredible in the middle of a boss fight <laughs> so uh, good yes i can't wait to be good. big dumb ogre forever so yeah uh the dark tide's also coming out and we're gonna play a lot of dark tide so uh if the hobby progress slows slightly somewhere around november 30th that is why but i can't because World Leader's coming out this winter sometime, but you know you won't tell me when. Oh, but you also got the Worldy Warcrafts. <laughs> we were going to talk about that, but yeah, you're right. I, <laughs> I ain't talking about it. I got clean. For now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got clean. I walked away. I have little plastic toys to spend my money and time on now. Ah, uh, yeah, so you went from doing coke to crack. Got it. <laughs> Now, I, I, I now have a steady, delauded addiction, John, but I'm very functional in, the, in this hobby compared to the nice. binge behavior of World of Warcraft. But uh, we do have a lot of ideas brewing, and obviously we're coming up into the holiday season, and we might try to do like a holiday-themed episode, uh, which I think would be fun, uh, and to just have a little bit of time. Um, but until then, uh, if y'all are interested in sort of what we're talking about here, or you have some people in your gaming group who you think really, really might benefit from this conversation, uh, maybe consider sharing the episode. Really appreciate it. Um, or if you don't have anyone you want to share it with, but you still want to help, uh, adding a, a like or a rating really helps people find the show. I'm still amazed that as many people find it as they do. And uh, the more people we can get to listen to it who might enjoy it, the better. Uh, but for now, that's been all of our opinions. Bonafide Kentucky Fried. We'll see you all in the next episode.